this episode. Beautiful town in Italy, Italy, you know, motorcycle jumping, all that sort of great, uh, you know, chase scene as they do. And they had a very clear idea of the sort of character that they were looking for, but they had difficulty finding a sign the in contract. Right? Oh, so really? it was, it was wow. like they owned him, gave him a briefcase with one million pounds in it to be himself rather than what everyone else wanted him to be. Well, look, I just loved that I was so wrong. What most people on the planet would consider to be like one of the best opportunities ever. Yeah. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Now, Bond. This is what we're all talking about. The last Bond for Daniel Craig has happened. I saw it. Loved it. Loved it. Thought it was great. I've some of that opening scene, you know, beautiful town in Italy, you know, motorcycle jumping, all that sort of great, uh, you know, chase scene as they do. Uh, but I believe you have a a story from the Bond world from a few years ago, Mark. Oh, many years ago, 1969. Um, so is that uh, is the new Daniel Craig one? Is that available on Apple TV or Netflix or anything? I don't think so. I think oh. they're letting it run on the on the cinema for a little while. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not that sure I'm going to be jumping into a cinema again that uh, that soon. So uh, maybe I'll have to wait. You're just going to have to wait, mate. Uh, right. It was great that you didn't give any spoilers there as well. So nice, <laughs> nice. All right. So back to 1969. So Sean Connery has made the Bond character famous, and he he decides not to do anymore. And the the producers are looking for the, or the studio are looking for the next James Bond. And they had a very clear idea of the sort of character that they were looking for, but they had difficulty finding him. It was a very, very intense search. And then they found this guy called this Australian guy from a small town in, uh, in uh, New South Wales, Queenbian. His name was George Lazenby. And he was a car mechanic and then a car salesman and became a male model, never acted a day in his life. And he becomes James Bond for the next movie, which is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, that, by the way, the story behind how he got that is wonderful. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is that he only did one Bond movie. He's the only, only James Bond that has only done one Bond movie. And I always thought that it was because he was crap. But it's not. Because <laughs> right? I've, I've, I've rewatched the movie twice in the last month or so. And it's a really good movie. And he acts very, very well. In fact, he was critically acclaimed. He was like, the, the movie was very highly regarded, but he was critically acclaimed. He was like the, nominated as the, the emerging actor of the, of the year or, or whatever. And the studio offered him a contract, six, six Bond movies, and uh, he went through the contract and he said no. Um, and there's, this, there's a, a, a docudrama called Becoming Bond where the story of how he became James Bond and what happened is... And there's a scene where he's sitting uh, and I think it's Harry Saltzman is the, 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 one of the financiers. And he's like this ruthless, ruthless guy. He swears liberally. And he's sitting across the desk from Lazenby and he's going... Sign the effing contract. And he's like, you, you, like, are you mad? And Bond, uh, uh, Lazenby, Bond, Lazenby's looking at him going, no, because the contract, it was, it was, the title of it was something like slave contract. 
<laughs> and it was pretty much like that, right? Um, the contract dictated how he would dress, where he would go. He was at their beck and call. And if they said, you've got to be in Monte Carlo to do an interview tomorrow, that's what, yeah, he wasn't allowed to wear, wear a beard. They dictated the clothes that he wore. Right? Oh, so really? it was, it was wow. like they owned him. Wasn't quite the swinging sixties then. Well, no, it was in the swinging sixties. <laughs> I know, yeah. but contrary, yeah, yeah, very contrary. And and Lazenby, who was he was like this real maverick, right? He was he was, he was his totally his own man. He just sits across the desk from Saltzman and goes, "No, you know, I'm not going to trade me, George Lazenby, uh, for being you know being your James Bond for the next six movies." And so he said, "No," even though. Saltzman gave him a briefcase with one million pounds in it and said, This is if you sign the contract, this is yours. And he's sitting there, he's got the contract in front of him, and uh, he opens the briefcase and it's got this cash, million pounds in cash. And he said, No. And he walked away. He walked away from that. And he's the only Bond to, uh, to have only, you know, to, to only done one movie. And it wasn't because he was crap, it was because he chose to be himself rather than what everyone else wanted him to be. And yeah, like you could imagine everyone's going, you're mad, you're mad. Like Salzman's looking at him, he's going, you are an idiot. <laughs> but anyway, he, he made that decision. And I, I love the fact that uh, in this docudrama, uh, he was I don't know, 80 odd when they did it. He, he has had a full and happy life. He's had a, he's had a, a very happy life, very successful life. Yeah. So Isn't you don't amazing? always have to do what everyone thinks you should do. Yep, yep. Well, I, I remember uh, stories from my father who was uh, in 1969, he was a US Marine at the Canberra US Embassy, right? US Embassy in Canberra. And George Lazenby would often come up to the barracks to hang out with the Marines and because he just liked that rough and tumble sort of uh, lifestyle, I guess. And they would go out uh, pig shooting together. So my father has these memories of him and George Lazenby, you know, sort of going out shooting pigs in the bush. So, um, yeah, I think he was a pretty wild guy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly the docudrama paints him as, uh, well, being a maverick. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, did some pretty, pretty crazy things. Okay. That's a, that's a good story, Mark. I like that. So, and, and it's one, you know, I, I've never heard I had that same impression, you know, that somehow he just missed the mark or he, he wasn't up to the, to the task in some ways. So, um, so tell, and let me think, let's talk about what we like in that story, right? I tell you one of the things that stands out for me is I could really see the briefcase full of cash. Maybe it's an image that you see in the movies anyway, you know, the briefcase being pushed across the table and, mm. um, you know, the lid being open and there's the money. Um, uh, that certainly stood out for me. And, and also when you dropped, well, the, 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 the shortened F-bomb um, because, again, you know, you can just imagine Salzburg being this Salzburg or Salzman? Salzman. Salzman. Salzman just being, as you described, you know, an absolutely driven producer. Um, so that, those two images really stood out for me. I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, it's something we all talk, you know, everyone knows about Bond, you know, even if you haven't ever never seen a Bond movie, it's in the, it's in the culture. We know about it. What, yeah. what works for you in that story? What do you like about it? Well, look, I just loved that I was so wrong, 
right? And that that he was he was in fact really good. It was a it's a very good Bond movie. I haven't watched it in a while. Just revisit it. It's well worth. So the contrast between what I thought and and the reality um, was was that I, that I really liked, and the fact that he said no to what most people on the planet would consider to be like one of the best opportunities ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It sort of it gets you thinking about what Daniel Craig has gone through, right? Yeah. And, and what's happening right now, like whatever's going on for them to get the new Bond, you know, signed up, uh, it's going to be this same sort of process, especially after such a successful James Bond like Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they have got it pretty right uh, most of the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm just thinking now in terms of, you know, how, how would you make this story even better? I know there's so much more to this story, right? Mm. Because we were talking about it over coffee and, you know, and the fact that the guy just weaved his way into the, into the role without having an acting experience at all, no lessons, nothing, just a, a lot of gumption, if you like. A right? lot of gumption. Yep. And, and like the fact that he had a, he had a, a, a Queen Bean, an Outback New South Wales Australian accent, and yet he was going to, play james bond and yeah, uh, there's a great no scene of him uh with his voice coach and she had him laying on the ground reciting the script uh so he's laying on his back on the ground and he's got a toothpick uh uh holding his holding his upper and lower jaw apart and of course you know it's a you got to be careful when you're doing that and he's reciting his lines doing that and that's how they got him to sound uh like he had an english accent a, po- a posh accent yeah wow. That's amazing. Oh, well, that's what we'll have to do, Mark, if we ever want to go move to the UK, get ourselves of an English I think, accent. I, I think we're both a bit old to be considering a career as Bond, just, <laughs> just quietly, just quietly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I think, so I was thinking to take some of those elements, of course, this all depends on how much time you have to tell the story, but it, yeah, I think there's so much, that's why they made a docudrama out of it, right? Mm, there's obviously yeah. so much to tell. And all those little moments, like the toothpick moment, I mean, that's great. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something people could lean into. It could really be a, a set piece in a presentation, right? Yeah. And especially there'd be lots of photos. That's the other great thing. There'd be lots of black and white imagery out there of, of uh, Lazenby and, you know, doing his thing, which would be fabulous. Yeah. Um, how would you use this thing, though? Like what's what's the circumstance uh, in which you would tell this story? Oh, I mean, one of them might be where you want people to to, to, to you know, I guess follow their own path. Don't be don't be taking the path that everyone says you should take. There's times where you've got to choose your own path, and sometimes that be less than obvious. So, I mean, that's one, and not I mean, probably not a particularly. Uh, you wouldn't get to use that very often, but it would be very. Yeah, it'd be very powerful if you were trying to encourage someone to, to, to follow their own path. Yeah, I bet it happens a lot in like mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. Right? So you've been taken over by some big company um, and there's lots of pressure to sort of give up all the things that, you know, makes your part of the business really work. Um, I know I went through it when I, uh, you know, I joined Lotus Software and it got bought by IBM and they were kept apart for I don't know, probably a number of years, four, maybe four or five years. And you could sort of feel the creeping IBM process coming in to 
change things. It obviously had to happen and end up being the software group. But, you know, a story like that could actually help you, you know, hold the line a little bit. You know, what, what, who are we? What are we in this? You know, what choices do we have? Um, so, yeah, that could, that could be a nice little story to tell. Yeah, and, and if you've got a strategy that's uh, a little bit different, you know, you, well, you yeah. mean it, it doesn't have digitization in it and uh, growth, <laughs> yeah, digi digital transformation, uh, and digital transformation, and customer, customer, uh, customer uh, focus, uh, delight, or something? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mean if you didn't have those in it, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. If you did have something different, that'd be good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I guess no, the good thing about you don't you don't have to do what everyone's saying to do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not always the right decision, even if it looks super attractive. Yep. It actually could be the, the end of you, right? Yeah. So, no, I love that. That's, that's a great uh, take on it. Okay. Good one. Right. Let's, let's give it a rating. Let's give it the out of 10. Um, yeah. I really like this story. I, th I think it's because I do feel like a little connection to it because of all the stories my father used to tell me about George Lazenby. So I didn't know any of this. So it makes, I'm sort of drawn to it, you know, like so I'm definitely going to go and see this making making Bond, what was it called? Becoming Bond. Becoming Bond, yeah. So um, so I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a solid eight and a half. Whoa. I'm, I'm, I'm notching it up. Whoa, at least a half, you know. Wow. Okay. Now that is surprising. You thought, um, I was, you thought I was going to give it a low score, did you? No, I, I, I didn't know what you were going to give it, but I right. didn't think it was going to be eight and a half. I mean, that is that is a stellar score. It is. That's a good one. Yep. Now, I'm, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Oh, you don't even like it yourself. No, no, what, I after do. You told I, it? I do like it. I do oh, like right. it. And I've told it numerous times socially. Right, right. Uh, and there's uh, so many dimensions about it. I'm, I'm just not sure that it's that usable in a business context. So that's all that's going in my head is that will I actually use this in a business context? Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, we're, we're anytime where I'm working on with a company on their strategy store or something and I bump into the thing where, you know, they're going with groupthink um, or something, maybe I could use it, but I don't know. You know, one of the exercises I ask uh, uh, people in our workshops to do sometimes is that they, they, they have sometimes trouble working out what's the point of a story, right? And, and I, I say to them, look, I'll give you the challenge. You tell me any story and I will tell you what the point is. And so I now feel like I, I, I'm kind of challenging myself with this story that I'm going to see if I can just get it in there wherever I can and maybe even get people looking at me askance. Like, <laughs> what on the hell the George Lasme story is about? But at least, at least get a response, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're sort of doing something really uh, specific, really technical, perhaps, and you go, "Well, that's a bit like George Lasme, right?" That, that would be an interesting response. Sort of see what happens. Anyway, that sounds good. Well, a six. Did you say six and a half? I did. Six and a half. Oh my god. Well, I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up, guys. Um, so, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening in to Anecdotally Speaking. And, of course, we'll have another episode for you next week on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Mm -hmm. 
Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio.